Jenkins, Higgins, good work. You've got the old military base uh, laid out for our big drag racing event uh, this weekend. Good job. You've got security on hand. You've got uh, all sorts of people signed up or taking tickets uh, as they drive in. It's going to be a very good, uh, very good, good race. But um, you sure this is the name you want to go with? We're watching The Fast and the Furious. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and Miles is making me do this against my will. We are now entering our furious summer, where we, every week, are going to watch... Well, I gotta listen to... I guess we'll listen to them, too, but mostly watching. I mean, listening and watching kind of... You know what? It's the Fast and the Furious is what we're covering. And we are now today covering the very first Fast and the Furious movie that I have finally seen for the very first time more than 20 years later. But I can't do this alone. Miles, how are you? I could not be happier right now. Um, this, like I said last week, this is something that I wanted to do for a long time personally because I have only ever seen the first one and I only saw it opening weekend 22 years ago. I have many friends over the years who have uh, either been from the beginning or become big Fast and the Furious fans. This is a franchise that has really, really taken off and in and of themselves become essentially superhero movies. So I don't want to go on this journey alone. So I'm dragging one of my best buds with me. And you know what? Drew and I can't do this alone. So we brought in. Yeah, we need another of, Honda Civic to get yeah. on the other side of this uh, semi truck. Yeah. So so we brought in one of our best podcasting buds. TV's Travis. Travis, how are you doing this week? And how stoked uh, are you for the Fast and the Furious? So, uh, first of all, I'm excited to be here. Uh, like you, I've only ever seen the Fast and the Furious in this entire franchise. And like you, it was 20-something years ago. I, th I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it when it came out on home video. Uh, so it was like late 2001, early 2002. That's the last time I saw anything Fast and the Furious that wasn't just a commercial for it or somebody like uh, talking about it. I, I'm I'm excited to talk about this, um, and yeah. it's actually been something that I have been thinking about doing the the franchise, going through and watching all of them, and sort of just just diving in and seeing what the hell happened because yeah. I remembered seeing the first movie and I was like, okay, cool. It was street racing with a little crime and like an undercover cop. And then I'm seeing trailers for the newer movies down the line. And I'm thinking something changed. They, they, I don't know they, what. I'm pretty sure they went to space in one of these movies, but I guess we'll find yes. out in a, in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, I mean, this has certainly been a, a great white whale of mine and I, I wanted it to be a project. Like this wasn't something that, oh, we're going to do a deep dive and watch, you know, three of the movies. Like I wanted to do 
as many as possible. And then they just confirmed that uh, Fast 10 is headed to VOD like in two weeks. So we will get to do Fast 10 as well. Yeah, um, and uh, shout out to Peacock for suddenly having all of these movies all available of them. for streaming. Thank you. Yeah, my bank account appreciates that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not just, you know, the fact that it has become this cultural juggernaut, which in and of itself is really interesting because while it is based off a Vibe article entitled Racer X, this really isn't adapted material. I I read the Racer X article uh, in preparation for this episode, and it's really kind of just a I don't I wouldn't say a puff piece. That sounds that sounds uh, condescending, but it is just kind of like, oh, this is the thing that happens. Like this is a a little piece on drag racing. And we we interviewed one person who's been involved with it. And it was certainly not uh, from a condescending angle, but it wasn't like this is the inner circle of the drag racing circuit in New York City. Like, it's just more like, hey, this exists. But the director of this film read that article and saw a real life drag race and got really pumped to to make a film. So and. Yeah, yeah. What it had me thinking of is this. So the Fast and the Furious is based in real life, just like Hackers was based in real life. Yes. Like there were some there was some hacker zines and some background right. of the characters, but it was a wholly like made up story and they they embellished a lot of it and i got that feeling watching this when i saw that at the end i was like based on an article by you know whoever i thought well that's interesting you don't normally see movies based on you know an article so yeah and, and when you read the article you you really come to understand this this isn't based on anything he just mm -hmm. read the article and got really excited about illegal street racing so th this is the question that i i have for my own memory because i mean this movie came out in the summer of 2001 oh those heady days when all we had to worry about was a few shark attacks uh but the street that was the big thing in the summer of 2001 it was shark attacks all okay over the place. <laughs> um You're then some other summer. stuff happened that year uh but you know <laughs> so anyway uh but i remember around this time street racing becoming like a big thing yes and what i don't know and i'm sure there's probably a back and forth of this is did this movie come out because street racing was popular or was street racing popular or, or did this movie make street racing more not, not necessarily popular but more visible so the answer to both of those questions is yes Mm -hmm. um street racing was uh definitely a thing there were already magazines like kind of dedicated to that but this put it under a microscope and blew it up exponentially like growing up in a, a town in south carolina i know people who had never heard of nas before not the rapper um <laughs> before this movie came out and then every single person i knew were hanging out at certain audio like car shops Yep. And trying to to trick out their uh, low dollar cars in the same way to hilarious effects. And I can speak from personal experience because my brother was one of them. <laughs> uh, you better not have wanted to get dental work done back in in 2001 because nitrous oxide was hard to find. I'm making that up. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so, yes, this this did have a cultural impact and it was kind of a slow burn, but it's not like all of a sudden it became massive. But it definitely inspired a bunch of people to get serious about 
their vehicles, no matter how dumb they were about it, people got severely into it and spent hundreds oh, yeah. and thousands of dollars on and the dumbest things. It's it's kind of like anything, really. We see a major motion picture like this come out. There are pockets of the country where the the thing that's being done in that movie has been going on for a long time and somebody found out about it a writer maybe grew up in that area or or somebody learned about it it becomes a movie and then it blows up nationwide and it yeah. becomes a huge thing all over yeah. the place um but yeah street racing like i knew of illegal street racing prior to the movie uh coming out i remembered um was it i think it was a year before this was gone in 60 seconds when they did that remake with nick cage mm. that had some street racing elements to it um they tried to get uh, i think timothy oliphant to play dom oh yeah and been, he was that'd have been it, very it just, different he had just done on six seconds like nah and i mean his career has been just fine um oh, yeah. I, I heard today <laughs> that timothy oliphant was uh under consideration for iron man and the iron man movies that wouldn't Marvel surprise me. He's got the charisma. Universe. I could different. see it. It's it's going to be very different, but I could see it happen for sure. Yeah, all, all of the near casting would have made this a very, very different movie. I know for, um, uh, what's Paul Walker's, but Brian, they had, uh, they actually offered the role to Eminem, but Eminem de- de- denied him because he wanted to do 8 Mile. Um, and they also had uh, gone to Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Um, at one point, which all three of those choices would have made very different movies, very, very different movies. Plus, I mean, they're all so much older and play like Wahlberg, even in 2001, plays older than Paul Walker does at that point. Yeah. And yes. I feel like that changes a lot because part of what makes Paul Walker work in this as the undercover cop, how spoiler we do, do we want to get? Do we oh, care? We're, we're spoil- yeah, this we're this movie spoiler. is old enough to drink. I think this movie may be old enough to rent a car at this point. Yeah, you're, it's very close. Uh, but what makes him work is that he looks very young to be an undercover cop. And so mm-hmm. you can buy him as just for the first part of the movie is just some dude. And then you find out that he's the cop. And he's like, OK, well, he's got this kind of bo- there's a boyish uh, boyishness to his look. The the piercing blue eyes, I'm sure. Those, help. Uh, those piercing blue eyes. Good Lord. Them baby blues. We're, 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 yeah. I, I have written down multiple times. This has to be CG, <laughs> right? This has to be. Well, it's also I, highlighted by his his uh, bleached hair. Yes, the blonde I hair think, definitely. I mean, his, his eyes would be his eyes would be a focus anyway. But that but that combination has always been like where the, the, the eyes are highlighted. What's interesting to me. And when I read this, I was like, this makes absolute perfect sense. And it may or may not for you guys. But the role of uh, Mia Toretto was specifically written for Eliza Dushku. And because of some of the mannerisms and blocking they used for Mia, I can absolutely see that. Like I could see, yeah, yeah 2001 Eliza Dushku, I could see playing that character would have a lot. It, but what would have been odd Paul, to Paul me... Paul Walker definitely looks like somebody that Eliza Dushku would have been paired with in a movie as well. Well, and it's funny because, you know, she kind of comes off as Diet Eliza Dusky, even though I think Jordana Brewster is extremely charming in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, they, don't, they don't give her much to do, but she's charming. What what shocked me, because, I mean, Brewster had the faculty as her her big movie before this. Yeah. And the people who auditioned for this role and were turned down were Kirsten Dunst, Jessica Biel, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Natalie Portman. 
And okay, okay, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do, all the time for this role specifically, but no, she would only no Portman would have been. Yeah, too because young. that would have been around trilogy to, uh, prequel time. So that's that's yeah. That this was oh one, so this would have been yeah. like she would have only been like seventeen or eighteen, maybe that's nineteen right. by that point. Well, because she, my question, she was though. she was over eighteen in episode one, right? When that which was uh, in, uh, she was right at like eighteen, I think, because that was in ninety seven. So this would have been okay. So she would remember mid twenties. I. But she was it, it uh do we how much like we're taking that with a grain of salt right that list like that's that's like any action movie between 1982 and 1998 <laughs> having <laughs> sylvester stallone arnold yeah, schwarzenegger yeah. bruce Accurate. willis so, were up for the role you know right it, it comes from an article written by cbs sports um so i mean i i don't know how much okay. Uh, it was the, the article itself is written uh, in the lead up for Furious Seven, so I okay. don't know. I would assume if CBS had made a huge blunder with those facts, someone would have said something. But I I don't know. Or or they that just is, checked that's IMDb. That's a little and... more than <laughs> that is a little bit better than just IMDb trivia, which is right or like... JoeBlow.com or something like that. Like yeah. Uh, so so let us actually talk about what the plot of this movie is. Uh, there was a plot. There was a plot, in <laughs> fact. Um, and there was honestly more of a plot than I expected there to be. Um, Th- I, this this movie is kind of constantly surprising in its adequacy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and and that is wow, Miles. That was a it was a really good take right there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have nothing to add. No. Uh, but uh, but so you have uh, the, the movie opens with these sweet blacked out Honda Civics hijacking a whole bunch a of great su- sequence a whole bunch of sweet sweet panasonic dvd players and standard definition tvs worth mm-hmm. worth millions worth millions well, in these trucks yeah. so that's the caveat for for younger people who are wanting to start with the fast franchise once upon a time these things were high-end items people bought <laughs> yeah. ps2s because the option for an entertainment system was cheaper than your standard dvd players <laughs> yeah. yep uh, uh the the funny part about that opening though for me is everything about it is great and the look of it is is really cool with the cars and the and the ground effects the green lights but no you're not putting those on your car you're doing crimes with because it immediately <laughs> makes you noticeable that's like you know that's batman villain territory well, like i'm the joker i'm gonna wear the most garish clothes possible because well, that, i want everyone to look at me while i do my crime but if you don't have the ground effects kit lighting green on the ground uh how are you gonna see if you drop anything <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> however oh. the, the opening it, it's a badass action uh sequence with that truck and they, driving under the truck they do the clark griswold special i like to call it uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah we get, we get this cool thrilling opening sequence so that we we know that there are these uh these drag racers who are also boosting these 18 wheelers filled with electronics and and then we're introduced to paul walker's character uh, Brian Spillner, he goes by in the in the opening, which and this movie does a really good job. Like if you've only seen like a loose like trailer that doesn't give anything away, they do a good job of like hiding the fact that, yeah, he's a cop. So th- for, this is, for a this, good little bit. This is honestly something I'm a little frustrated with because him being a cop is in all of like the little like descriptions of the movie, like 
Mm-hmm. Brian O'Connor's right. a cop that's trying to infiltrate this. And it's like, if you don't know that, it's like a good 30 minutes into the movie before yeah. you figure out that he is a cop. The, most of the marketing fails this movie, but also it's all, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Like, you know, at this point, you know, 20 years later, Fast and the Furious is such a known thing that I do see it, but I think it does a disservice to the movie because if you've never seen it, this movie does a good job of like not really telling you. And when you, when he, cause, uh, at, you know, he does his, um, his, his drag race. He has this great, like, overnight thing with Dom, who is the leader of like the drag gang in, in town, I guess. Yeah. Like, he seems to rule the roost. The, yep. He's this, just the head honcho of drag, uh, the drag racing, uh, like subculture, you know. Yeah, played, played by up and comer Vin Diesel. And I say that without any hint of irony because his his track record. So he had a um a mo- a short film that he made called Strays that attracted the attention of Steven Spielberg, who as a result put him in saving private Ryan. And then he did the Iron Giant. And then these same week, he had two films come out, both of which are excellent. Boiler Room and uh, Pitch Black. Yep. So like this guy was was already kind of on the up and up. I'm not saying that he may, would have been a major superstar without the Fast and the Furious, but he would have been something. This just kind of catapulted his career. It's very interesting to see Vin Diesel in this role one because i think he's pretty good in this role he's great honestly Uh, but the other thing is that he and and again i see commercials for the newer fast movies right now in 2001 he just looks like a guy like he's a Mm -hmm. big guy but he's not Mm -hmm. like swolled out dude yeah he doesn't look like he could take out john cena in a one-on-one fight you yeah know? <laughs> he's no, also- but he does he, he's very intimidating still and he's apparently allergic to sleeves yes because uh, he just he does he, like look, if he has I had a jacket and that i would be too i mean fair enough yeah i would want to show those off but still but, but interesting he is not fully shaving his head yet true yeah and he's got the stubble on his head and you see just the little hint of a bald spot that's forming. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is not the Vin Diesel of today who would never <laughs> let that happen. So I, I actually really like one of the things I really love about this movie, because this movie made movie stars. You know, I mean, Michelle Rodriguez has, you know, you know she's had some troubles, but I mean, she's had a solid career. Uh, Paul Michelle Walker, Rodriguez character Letty. Uh, no last name in the movie, by the way. She is even in the credits. Letty. I believe she has gotten a last name since then, <laughs> but at this point, she did not have one. But Paul Walker and Vin Diesel became absolute superstars because of this movie and got a lot of, of different roles. Uh, Walker, Walker, I think, had less smash hits in terms of some of his stuff, but he had a lot of solid movies and a lot of movies that, you know, would not have happened without the fast and the furious oh, yeah he, i mean he was also, everywhere for a few years yeah. like he was just you couldn't turn around without seeing paul walker in something for a right. period of time and not only that but i mean he sticks with this franchise and mm-hmm. I, I mean until uh you know fast seven when he um unfortunately passed like he he never the only one that he doesn't like you know go all in is is the third one um and I think there's something about this movie because, I mean, this movie was a, 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 success, a pretty good success, but it wasn't like, you know, the biggest smash hit of the year. Um, I mean, it, it, made- it, 
They made, made good money. They made two hundred and seven million off of a budget of thirty eight. That is that's nothing to sneeze at. No, especially yeah, and, in two thousand one. I, I I understand yeah. that. So at the time, it, well, yeah, I guess it was a smash hit. Um, but I, for me, I, watching this movie because I know we haven't talked so much about the plot yet. And I kind of want to get you guys feelings about this because I'm not going to lie. I really had a fun time with this movie because um, this movie is very much a movie from 2001. Yeah. Oh, boy, is it ever. And oh. but I think that especially Vin Diesel, I think Vin Diesel does a great job with this uh, Dom Toretto character who you feel like the scriptwriter was writing a complicated character, but didn't really have the ability to write a complicated character because Vin Diesel is giving this really cool performance of someone who's trying to take on everything, but also has this barely controlled rage bubbling up the entire time. And you get that great scene in the garage where he's kind of giving uh, Brian his origin story about, you know, we were told that, oh, yeah, he put some guy in um, in the hospital, nearly beating him to death and spent two years in prison for it. And then we get the actual reason. And I really like the way that Vin Diesel delivers those lines. But for, for me, what really sucks about this movie is outside of a lot of the cool one liners, the dialogue. I think the dialogue feels so stilted and unnatural throughout most of this movie. It can sometimes be distracted by good actors trying to give a good performance and good acting and bad dialogue are not always uh, good bedfellows. So, so in, like, go ahead. In the, op- <laughs> Sorry, in the opening street race, we are introduced to a number of side characters uh, like Ja Rule's mm-hmm. character, whose name I do not remember because I just saw Ja Rule just like a Spider-Man T-shirt. Uh, ja His Rule. facial expressions are amazing in this movie. Yes, but then we are it's also Edwin. And I know it's Edwin because Edwin referred to himself in the third person as Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but my, one of my favorite characters in this movie is a guy named Hector who introduces himself with the following line that I didn't write down. So this might be a little off, but, uh, they call me Hector because that's my name. I got a last name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) I love that line. Um, and that is, that, that is an actor, Noel, uh, I'm gonna mispronounce his last name. Uh, I think it's Google Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I love him because look at his IMDb sometime a full, like 60% of his roles are either, um, like Cholo or Hector. Like he put, <laughs> I think he's played Hector in more movies than anyone ever. Um, he is, he is a great character actor who will pop up on something. And I'm just like, I don't care that he's playing a stereotype. He's fun. He, and he has fun with it, whether he's doing a comical version of it or, you know, he was in training day playing basically yeah. the same character. He was in uh, Bruce Almighty playing a comedic version of the same character. Um, he just, he, he knows he's got a certain skill set, and people put him in movies to be that guy. You know, and he's so great. Get that money, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. What, that's what I got Had say. a career I mean, for it. I mean. I, I just watched uh, the Danny Trejo documentary, and that was kind of his takeaway. It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'll play whatever. I'll play him in number one, no problem. I, I will and that oh, yeah. has like more credits than anybody in the world at this point and just loves his life. Also, really good documentary. Yeah. Highly. Wow. Uh, so Noel has 203 credits. <laughs> That's impressive for a non-voice actor. Like usually yeah, you see yeah. those numbers with like voice actors. No, this is him. And it's I mean, it's it's impressive. 
but no, he's he's great. And I loved uh just Hector showing up. Like that whole first street race scene is is great. Uh this movie did do a cool thing I like. Um I I am a sucker for match cuts. I love mm-hmm. a good match cut. And this did not quite a match cut, but they were those transitions, like a sped up uh day to night transition. Yeah. That I just loved. I love that look, that kind of there motif parts, they did. There are parts of this movie that feel like they belong in a trance music video. And <laughs> and, and the music was done by um, an electronic artist named BT, who I really knew because he'd had, he had a collaboration with Tori Amos in the late 90s. Um, but the, con- the consistent score of this movie is electronic music. So anytime you get those little match moments, I feel like I'm in like this house music video of, of especially during the races, because um, the one thing that's, that's a bummer. I was talking to a, a buddy and fellow podcaster, uh, Justin from um, cinema shock um, who does stuff with our, our buddy uh, from the computer resume podcast, uh, Todd Davis. We were talking about how um, I was complaining that uh, Rob Cohen's direction for the races is pretty subpar. I think the races narratively are amazing, but I think that the races themselves could have been a little bit more dynamic. And in and his he defense, says, it's a little difficult to make a quarter mile drag race with cars just going in a straight line. <laughs> that dynamic it is tough that is it's the toughest type of racing to make visually interesting because it's just cars going in a straight line like if it was the illegal street racing of like we're gonna do lap style street racing then there's a lot you can do there um that's that's a good point um and and, and (laughs) one thing the one thing that i will say that they did in this movie to make all of this pop a lot more because we really need to talk about the other stars of this movie them sweet rides them Uh, sweet so uh of course one of the first cars we see in this street race a dude is in the the in the driver's seat playing gran turismo on (laughs) on a little screen in the car. I think it's Gran Turismo, at least. It was, looked Gran Turismo. Yeah. Was that just, was it me, or was that just mildly racist? Just mildly? Just a little so, bit? Well, like it, so, it, it's, it's the, it, I know, I know, but I'm just, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, they have the Asian guy playing video games before the race. Okay. So It's 2001. It's cool. It's cool. I will say, <laughs> later on in the movie, in the big party, after they get back from not being arrested, everybody's hanging out and drinking yep. and partying and Letty Michelle Rodriguez's L- character is on the ground also playing Gran Turismo. So yes. I don't know. I, I think that this is one of those things where like, you know, like the Grand Theft Auto games, there are a lot of like racially siloed groups that are hanging out together, which is why the big race at the end that also doesn't really even matter uh, is called Race Wars, which bothers me quite a bit. <laughs> it bothers I, a lot of people that that have gone back to this movie and are like, "Are you serious? They call it Race Wars? They've made uh, this a real event. Race Wars honestly, are now a thing that happens in the world." I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it in the opening of this episode. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, right, that's just like and right I, there." One of my it buddies flew right past you has a huge problem with that part of this movie. Um, one thing I do like this film did do is they did focus on that kind of street level. Like 
everyone has like variations of cars that are not high-end expensive cars because that was the tenement of street racing is you would yes. take a honda civic and mm-hmm. you put all the money into the the engine and the undercarriage and all that stuff but the actual car itself is typically a cheap car so uh, this is uh, cheap in sarcastic quotation marks yeah because well, um, you spend up spending <laughs> 20 grand on a five grand car <laughs> but uh and but this is this is another thing I absolutely love because I am a sucker for thanks to Gran Turismo 2 specifically and the career mode in Gran Turismo 2, which taught me everything I know about cars, which is arguably <laughs> not that much because I learned from <laughs> Gran Turismo 2. Like, I know the difference between a supercharger and a turbocharger, but I don't know how to install one. Uh, but anyway. Oh, I don't uh, know the difference between those two things. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Anyway, the but the, the things that I love, you know, at, at the start of this movie, we're, we get a, a 90s Mitsubishi Eclipse. Dom drives an mm-hmm. RX-7, which is one of my favorites. We get a Toyota Supra, like they're all, like randomly a Jetta, uh, which is a little weird to me because I think of Jettas not being in a racing, you know. Well, capacity, but think of but. who drives that Jetta. OK, I'll give you that. That uh, and honestly, they're like. I mean, you can get, you know, the the Golf uh, gets a lot of those, you know, hot hatchbacks. So mm-hmm. the Jetta is not that far off of that. And a lot That's of those true. go into rally car territory, which is a little yep. which is a little different. A little but, different uh, yeah. but beyond that, and then as we get into race wars, <laughs> we, we're just going to have to say it. We just we're just going to have to we go have there. To. Like, uh, t- t- please don't edit my please don't edit me saying that into something that's going to Lord. We don't have enough listeners for anybody to get that idea. So anyway, <laughs> but you do have like the, 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 the trans, the bad guys of the, uh, the tran family, um, the, the bad guys of the film, they show up with, to a, with a Honda S 2000, which was yep. like, Oh, sick. It's so sick. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, uh, you know, not be like just having my driver's license and being like, oh, yeah, if I did this and this, I could get an S2000. This would be awesome. Not really understanding how expensive cars well, this, are. This movie does have an infectious feeling to it because, like, I can see why so many kids spent money on their dirt cars because you do get you do get kind of sucked into the to the world that this movie introduces you to. And you're like, oh, man, I I got to get involved in that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's it's honestly it's hot rotting for that yeah. generation. Like it's exactly 100%. what it is. Well, and and it's, it's, there is a there is a big draw to that kind of thing, like just yeah. turning a wrench and tinkering with your car and taking something that you know, taking a Volkswagen Jetta and making it into a hell of a race car, and then just the most garish paint job and decals possible. I love they treat their cars like skateboard tape decks. Like, yes. The, these these things are amazing and, and then you also have dom's real car which is whew, so oh. pretty so pretty and a 1970 dodge charger which mm. which is like the the uh fast and the furious the, car the, the, I yeah have, it's like it's the definitive car I wa- for this I, I watched this movie on saturday and then on sunday we went to target and i saw a lego set of that car sitting on the shelf and i joked mm-hmm. with my wife that well i guess that means i'm gonna buy it and she said no so i didn't <laughs> but uh but the thing about that car in particular is that they they set that car up to be like a big thing and then he immediately crashes it when he drives it 
Well, don't worry. That car comes back. Oh, I'm sure. Many I'm times sure. in this franchise. <laughs> from from what I hear, it's more than just the car that comes back many times in this franchise. Well, so, that, uh, there's that. But like, I've seen this car this in trailers that I see in, in the theaters. Like, this car takes out helicopters. Like, I'm I'm not worried about that vehicle. Yeah, it gets a missile launcher at some point. Uh, Dom's dad I, didn't tell him about that when he uh, was racing it around <laughs> the track. I, I do. I do love. That we get this one scene because this is a bunch of kids who have, you know, because these are these are street kids. These are this is what the the culture that created this was the streets. And it's a lot of kids who don't have that Ferrari money. So you get this great scene where, uh, you know, Brian kind of makes a comment about the guy next to him who's got a Ferrari. You're like, oh, what'd you spend on that? And. You know, the guy makes some super classist joke and more than you'll ever and, earn or whatever. Yeah. Like and then yeah. continue that proceeds to like absolutely smoke that Ferrari. And it's it's a wonderful scene. Um, mm-hmm. th- there is just despite the fact that of, just as much money was put into that Supra as was put into that Ferrari. Probably not because they also did a lot of the work themselves and they were able to get a lot of that stuff at discount to free because of Harry's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Harry, the the car shop that that Paul uh, Paul Walker's character quote unquote works at as part of his cover and, and also lives in. Yeah, yeah for that, whatever reason. that part I forgot about. And so when he goes on the date with Mia and then you see him answer the phone and, you know, she's in bed with him. I'm like, wait, did he just take her to the car shop? Is that where he's sleeping? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, whatever works. Well, because his his cover is that he's, you know, he's trying to get out from the wrong side of track wrong side of track yeah. he's in yeah. juvenile hall for lifting cars and and, and you get a lot of uh, tropes of you know uh, things some bleed over from teen movies where you know there's that one guy who doesn't like that paul walker's care is talking to to mia and you have these oh yeah of, no the the whole toretto gang was just the the trope gang yeah because you had you, you had, had dom's guy, the you had that one guy vince who was just like absolutely like hard against paul walker matt schultz who plays vince in in the early 2000s if you needed that guy that's mm-hmm. who you cast. he was perfect to that he yeah. did the, he played the same role in blade 2 he played the same yeah. role in like another there was another movie uh oh, he was a different like character in movie. blade one by the way <laughs> that's okay yeah he was in blade one played a different character in blade two but in both of them he's basically doing similar stuff no, I think in Blade One he was a lot small, like he was smaller. But like that was him. That's what he did in the early two thousands. Was just, de- you know, decent looking, fairly well built jerk that would not like yeah. one. He didn't like somebody. Usually the the protagonist. And he stays in these kind of movies. He pops up in the Transporter and Torque mm-hmm. and and several of these types of things. And I know he also comes back to this franchise. And. I it's so funny that there there is something about turn of the 20th century media, because this is a weird time for film, because um, we've talked about 90s films, and I'm sure you have as well, Travis. There's a weird sheen to movies from the late 90s, especially that kind of post clerks thing where you had a lot of indie and some studio directors kind of make trying to make everything look kind of as hip and Mm-hmm. they can and especially with this movie they got a lot of that the the sunset tones happening a lot as things happen in slow motion but i think of movies like i mean and this isn't the action action part of the sheen but there's there's something about some of these movies 
like your your Suicide Kings, your Tenth and Wolves, your Boiler Rooms, like these all these movies kind of had a certain feel to them, like mm-hmm. they were supposed to be sexy. If that makes any yeah. sense. I mean, I mean it, you can even look at something like Swingers and Go and absolutely. All of all of these movies that you guys are mentioning share one stylistic choice in particular. Mildly sweaty people. Every one <laughs> yeah. of those movies is, is always very There's, slightly sweaty. There are there are specific line items in the budget for glycerin so that they can spray everyone down. Yeah, well, and, just misting uh, them down. Also, actually, many of the movies I just mentioned have Giovanni Ribisi in them, who always like kind of slicks his hair back. Yeah, um, that's true. Also, like legit, one of the most underappreciated actors out there. That dude is a such a great actor. Oh yeah. Um, but there there is something about this movie that I, I do find like. Because I mean, I was told by even fans of the franchise, like, listen, you know, this movie is of its time. If you don't like it, just stick with it. But I don't think they had heard the part where I was doing this for the podcast. So I've made my bed. Um, But, you know, I actually looked at their letterboxes and almost all of them kind of have. And then this is I'm kind of curious about how you guys might feel, but they all have this first movie about in the middle of their rankings. So. Certainly a movie that they feel good about, but, you know, it's not as strong. Like a lot of the the tenements of the franchise, we don't really get like we don't get the family that has become like almost a meme at this point for the franchise. That's not present. Um, It's a a lot. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a little like I've been rewatching the Mission Impossible franchise in preparation for Dead Reckoning Part One. And it's similar to that. The first Mission Impossible movie has all of the hallmarks of the Mission Impossible franchise as it goes Mm -hmm. on, but it's not fully baked yet. And they're not like complete. It's got crazy stunts, but we don't have Tom Cruise hanging off of a plane as it takes off from the runway. You know, (laughs) we don't have like that level of stuff yet, but it's it's there. The ideas are there. I can feel having only ever seen the fast and the furious, I can feel like, okay, I can see where there's room to go on this. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be very curious uh, how they get from, you know, from here to space. Well, but, well clear, clearly there is a, there was a break at some point and we'll talk to the, cause I mean, Paul Walker was in two. I don't think Vin Diesel was, I don't know. Cause I haven't seen it. And neither of them were in three, I don't think, because I think Little well, Bow Wow was in three. Don't tell me, because I don't want to yeah, know. Yeah, I won't tell you, but um, I mean, it's a similar scene, because um, y- y- y'all know that there's a post-credit sequence in this film, yes, right? Yes, this was, this did, was yep. pro- Which, like, it, this had to be kind of a, I mean, in the, the days. The first bo- big movie to do that? I mean, since like, Ferris Bueller. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like this, this movie has a legit Marvel, well, now we call Marvel style, very end of the movie post-credit sequence. Mm-hmm sequel bait for a character who's not in the sequel well so vin diesel kind of started playing hard to get because he became a superstar at this point and i mean we'll talk a little bit baby hey that movie did really well um it made money but yeah vin diesel became a big superstar and i think that he had certain ideas because Here's the thing about Vin Diesel that I think is really interesting is that dude really loves film. Like I've I've read some like some interviews from especially from his short film and stuff. Like the dude has actively studied film, and mm-hmm. I think he wanted to take his acting very seriously. I'm, I'm sure he was happy about doing the action stuff, but I think he was trying to do stuff 
that might have challenged him a little, which is why he did uh, find me guilty and stuff like that. I mean, he, um, he's also a dude that loves like big concepts. Like one of his tattoos is his longtime Dungeons and Dragons character. The dude likes Dungeons and Dragons. He well, he's, and, the, and to that end, well, I was in Chronicles of Riddick and all of the Riddick stuff is is his baby. Like so yep. from from what I understand, uh, because, yes, he loves Riddick. And one of the ways they got to him to uh, be enticed back to the franchise, which really is what honestly starts the franchise. The, the franchise really starts from what I understand in four and five. That's yes. where the real Fast and the Furious kind of begins was, I believe he got the either creative rights or just flat out got the rights to Riddick. They gifted that to him to come back to Fast and the Furious. And from what I've been told, and I'm like, that that's cool because not only does he get to own the character that he clearly loves, but you know, you can see him taking more of a creative role in this franchise because it becomes more synonymous with some of the things that I think he wanted to add into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because from everything I hear, they basically become superhero movies for people who don't like Marvel superheroes and DC. Before those even became a thing. Yeah. Um, And and progressively more and more, fancier cars and american cars based on what i've seen in trailers yeah i mean i i it's too soon to say um and i know i'm I'm really curious about watching the next one because i know that too fast too furious has a reputation of of people people treat this franchise the ones that i know kind of like you know the star wars trilogy in that i'm gonna rank these this is what i consider the worst one but i love all three of these movies a lot of my friends are like, yes, Too Fast, Too Furious is arguably the weakest movie. We still have fun with it, but it's probably the franchise low. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go in with those expectations. But with The Fast and the Furious being the 2001 movie it is, with what you guys saw, because we're, we're, we're talking largely from a 2023 perspective. Uh, and so, like, don't think about the money it made. Don't think... With what you guys saw, could you even conceive the franchise with this one entry? No, I could. See I, a, I would say no. Like I could see a sequel, exactly. But right. I, I could see a. But sequel. I don't see. Yeah, I don't see ten movies and spinoffs based off of this because right. it's just it's not what this is. It's it's a very it's a small scale self contained story. Um, honestly, it kind of has no resolution either. They just sort of stop. It does kind of end like we don't get any resolution. Uh, well, and some of it was taken out. Apparently, they filmed scenes uh, as an alternate ending with Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster and took it out of the movie. It's apparently in the DVD. Interesting. Um, and that, I think there's also an alternate ending as well that's like just different. But so yeah, there that was, was the thing. I, yeah, that was the thing I noticed watching it this time, having not seen it for 20 something years was just sort of like. There's a story, there's a plot, there's things going on, but we don't have like any background about anything. Like, why did they start stealing this stuff at all? Like, we don't know. He's just stealing stuff. He's making enough. He's making thousands of dollars street racing and he owns a garage. They own apparently a a diner or grocery store. From what I've told it never comes up again. It didn't come up after the first scene. It was in the movie. Like after that, <laughs> who's working? Who's working after that, that place? After that, they're they, always Paul at Walker, the garage. Yeah, Paul Walker at the diner that they they're eating at does mention the store because he's like, "There's no way you're making this much money 
from the store and race. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and so doing tune ups and, and, and selling groceries. I'm like, who's selling the groceries? And, and so Jordana Brewster hasn't been there for days. And, and, and <laughs> all the money we see in this movie is literal rolls of bills, which is a thing that I always love in movies is rolls of bills. It's so it's it's so <laughs> even though fun. I don't carry cash, I, I still love it. It's like, yeah, it's not it's not even folded up. It's like, how can we take Roll. folded up money and make it less convenient? roll it up and put rubber bands on it but uh mm-hmm. but, but i also to, but, to but, the end yeah the, it, and, and clearly they are saying that like the 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 stuff that they are putting in these cars is super expensive like they're dropping 10 or 20 grand overnight for these for this equipment that they're getting um i did like that i liked when he he talks about when he pulls up with the supra and they're like well we're gonna need you know starts naming off all the parts and then you just smash cut to that Ford F-150 with, <laughs> with just ratchet straps holding everything onto it as it's driving down the road. And, and, and that's well, and that's something that, you know, it 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 is obviously not believable, but also it's movie believable. I like that. I don't I don't. Yeah, it's Hollywood real. Yeah, it's Hollywood real. That's that's the, so, the phrase I was trying to get to. But, uh, but so yeah. bar, barring the the deleted scene, which does give you kind of more of an ending. This this does feel like something that happened a lot in movies around this time is mm-hmm. you had these kind of ambiguous endings some of them was sequel bait and some of it was just because like they want people to converse about things because they grew up uh with people trying to guess what was in the suitcase in pulp fiction and so it's like what did they need the money for you know and but, but to me it's not even about the money at a certain point it's less about the money and it's more about brian wanting to take the next step as a detective but also being conflicted with actually really respecting Dom and becoming close with Dom and not wanting to betray him. But also right. on this weird this other is- third hand, knowing that all of these truck drivers are suddenly going to be armed as if they weren't already armed, um, that were, that are, are now he wants to save Dom's life by stopping him from stealing right. this. Not because he wants him to go to jail because obviously he lets him go in the it's end. the sleeping dogs problem <laughs> and, and the thing is like you could get all of that but cut out the whole sort of johnny tran and his family angle of things that doesn't serve the story like it's when you're writing a story you need to figure out what story you're trying to tell and then move that along it's always i always come back to but lord of the rings was perfect at this they were adapting that book and peter jackson and Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens were like, okay, this is the story we want to tell. And everything we do has to serve that story. And so whether it's remove a character, take characters lines that are great from the book and give them to somebody else, because we need that. We want that moment, but we, we can't stop and go over here to do this. And the whole thing with the, with Johnny Tran, like it doesn't help that at all. We need, we need Brian. We need Dom. We need like, the whole you know if there was a connection that like somehow johnny tran the bad business deal is what forced dom into having to do this and then they they something there was no connection there and so it just sort of felt like it was bolted on because johnny tran's whole story seems to be one brian hoping that johnny tran's gang is the one that's actually doing all these thefts so he doesn't Mm -hmm. have to to arrest dom and two showing up at race wars for five minutes so that they can then go and kill Jesse so that you can have a member of the, the family, which again, they didn't really call them a family, a member of the crew die. 
the um, team, as Georgina and Brewster says, they, team. they're just yeah. the team. team. Um, and and also they make that character lovable. Like Jesse's great, and oh, Jesse yeah. has this little brother feel that everyone kind of adopts. Um, I, and this this goes back to I think one of my problems with the film is that I think the script is not great. And no. there there are some things I don't mind being open ended, but there are some actual connections. Like you were talking about with the trans, I actually I honestly enjoy a lot of the trans stuff, but the connective tissue isn't there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I certainly hope that that's somehow brought back up in this franchise in the future, but I don't know if it is. Well, one of the trans is dead, so he's certainly there, not coming there, back. <laughs> there's about like if they wanted to, and I mean, no one was making you know two hour movies like this, but if you, they wanted to add like 25 more minutes of the connective tissue, I think it could have helped flesh this film out, but it, the movie wouldn't have felt as snappy as it does this movie has to live a quarter mile at a time miles you just can't have 20 minutes of dialogue (laughs) come on i think i think too again it's it's you know whose story are you telling are you telling dom's story because if you're telling dom's story then johnny tran and that stuff can work in there because he has the connection there or is it brian's story are you telling the story of brian and dom because that's the compelling story you know you Drew, you mentioned how it's he's he's balancing his police career and wanting to become a detective, but also, you know, wanting to get into the street racing and having the respect for these people. And it's never we don't get enough. We get it in dialogue. We get it in passing lines, but it's not dove into enough because we have to stop and go over here to do something else. Yeah. And so I'm with you, Miles, in that it's not the strongest script. It's this movie was popular because it looked cool. It was a thing that people were interested in at the time. And it's got a hell of a cast of, you know, great character actors doing the thing they're good at. And every single one of them carries this movie. I mean, and I, look, I, I will say the script's not good, but it's not awful. Like, no, no, no. Enough that these guys can make it good, even though they have some goofy lines. But I mean, and yes, you're right. I mean, this movie has hot girls, hot guys, and hot cars. You could not ask for a more winning combination because, and that's why this has probably, I would say the most inclusive uh, audience. Like so many people of various uh, genders, races, walks of life are huge Fast and the Furious fans. I mean, this isn't just, oh, oh, you know, this is X amount girls and X amount guys. It's like everyone seems to love this franchise. And I think it because this movie offers something for everyone. It's an extremely diverse movie, but it also feels there's a degree, at least in this film, despite it being a Hollywood lens that we talked about kind of being fake. Um, there's an authenticity to it or an attempt at it of of feeling like the youth of the time. And mm-hmm. even though we know that whole thing is a little bit of a plasticine notion, it worked. Oh, yeah, it absolutely yeah, did. I, I would not call this movie particularly deep. But no. I could see I could see people who want to see themselves reflected in this movie adoring it more than I do. Uh, I would I mean, I you know, I if I was going to put it at a 10, I'm probably like seven, six and a Which, half, seven. Like I said, a lot of my friends put this in kind of the middle of franchise. So that's probably about right. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask you guys how you actually felt about the movie. I know we've dissected the movie. Like, what is your your? This is how I feel about the Fast and the Furious. Like, what 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 was your takeaway? Did you enjoy Travis? Do you did you enjoy it more than you remember enjoying it in two thousand one? Drew, did you even like it at all? 
like I said, I just don't, I just gave yeah, it a you seven. Give it a seven. So I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, compared to when I first saw it, I liked it. I, it's, it's good. It's not great, but it, and it's a product of its time, but it's a good film. It's a fun, uh, it's a fun movie to sit down and watch. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be, it, it's like anything. I'm not a huge car, um, car guy in terms of like tinkering and doing the street racing, but I know enough about cars and enough about movie making to know there's going to be some of that techno babble that sort of doesn't make sense, but like you can oh, tell they tried. They didn't. The they didn't go completely floppy disk program to put in the computer. Oh, that was and great. Like, oh, loved it. I loved but, it so much. But what I liked, it's like, uh, and and I brought this up earlier, but it's like hackers in that they tried to capture the feel of what they were doing. They, it didn't have to all be 100% technically accurate, word for word. But the idea and the concept behind what they were doing is yeah. is there. The soul of it is there. Yeah. And that's what makes it work. The authenticity you're talking about is like there's an earnestness to what they're doing. Yes, that's the one I'm in the movie. For, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and I think it does help me specifically because I was alive. I was uh, when this movie came out, it was the summer before my junior year of high school. I. I either had my I'd have to do the math. I don't remember if I had my driver's license when this movie came out or if I was about to get it. <laughs> I didn't like have my permit. Because uh, this was June. Uh, this was June of 2001. I, my when birthday, I turned 16. My birthday is in August. So I would have been like. Actually, I might have had my restricted license at that point. I need to do some math on that. I'll do that off the air. Uh, so <laughs> but 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 because but it's not just that like music of the time like Ja Rule mm -hmm. being in this movie and having a song associated with it uh all of these uh, amazing Japanese cars that, that soundtracks I all over the place too it's pretty great and <laughs> most of the songs are about cars which I just appreciate <laughs> yep Limp Bizkit that was briefly played uh, 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 Limp is briefly played and dope with debonair uh, I love that someone else knows who dope which, is. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was like, oh, I remember this. I, I remember downloading this on Napster because this was this movie yeah. came out. I was I was ending my freshman year of college when this movie came out. Um, so I was like, I was in the target audience for it. Yeah. I was late teens, early twenties. Um, I think also it's very very smart to take a movie like this and set it in L.A. because. If you're going to do, I mean, that's, that's where the street racing happened anyway. That's where the culture right. comes from, but it's also that melting pot of, as you mentioned, kind of all the different backgrounds and just types of people that get into it are all there and sort of all represented so yeah. that it it is, it does appeal to a wide audience and a wide just swath of people. Uh, whether you're the the angry guy that doesn't like anybody or the nerdy one that has Toyota Supra on a floppy disk or Leon, who's got the police scanner. Just, but that's his whole job. His whole job is to his, listen to the police scanner. <laughs> he had an important job. That was the character that had no like he wasn't a character. He was just a, a credit yeah. was Leon because he did nothing else. Um, uh, but But there's there's also just stuff that was so like. And we've talked about all the car parts and like. NOS nitrous oxide being a whole thing that was you know new to the or new I don't know how new it was to the racing scene and people getting it for their cars and blowing their cars up on the side of roads all over the country and all sorts yeah. of stuff like that but there were also like there were a lot of Nextel phones in this mm -hmm. in this movie yes, there, there was oh, a yeah. Motorola StarTac I clocked on a table which I am 
into. I had that phone. It was like the first flip phone uh, that was like felt like a Star Trek communicator. Like there was just so many like iconic kind of things. Um, Paul Walker's eyes. um, I mean, there are some stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, survive the test of time and some words and phrases that are not as cool as they used to be. I wasn't prepared for dropping the F slur right in the beginning of the movie from uh, from uh, Vince there. Well, Vince, well, Vince is, you know, Vince, if anyone was going to say it it was going to be Vince. (laughs) Vince. Yeah. If there was any character that was going to do it. Um, and it's so funny cause it's, it's, it's been so long since, you know, we've come a long way in, in many ways because you don't hear that word in movies as much. And now to the degree that when I hear it, it's kind of like someone threw cold water on me. Like, yeah. even though I watched the monster squad all the time as a kid, I always somehow forget that that word pops up. Because it was, it was never right, but it was accepted and it wasn't right. viewed with the harshness that it is now, like our sensibilities have changed. So when I hear that, it's like in the, this bill, movie, it's like I was the like, whole oh, bill, there the, we are. The Bill and Ted use of that word is like, yeah. Oh, yep, exactly. And you're like, right. oh, okay, yep, th- that's right. This was a, this movie's 20 plus years old. So much of that sure. movie is like family friendly. And then that word pops up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do what I do want to call out one other thing. We have to talk about the cops, the cops oh, slash yeah. FBI guys that, um, <laughs> Who are functionally useless this entire they, I movie. I think they have two scenes, maybe three in the entire movie. Uh, but uh, of course, the head of the FBI uh, is also like the stereotypical police chief role who drops one of the choicest lines of the movie. You want time? Go find a magazine. <laughs> yep. We that was us. that line. <laughs> we were laughing so hard. There are some great lines and not just like the, the, I live my, my life a quarter mile at a time. There are some really funny lines in this movie that are pretty great. I mean, we talked I mean, about you, Hector's opening you, line earlier. Yeah. You want time? Go find a magazine is straight out of the Beverly Hills cop school of writing yes. your, your, your players. You had Buffalo Definitely. Bill in the movie. Yeah, Levine, yeah, who I completely forgot was in this movie at all. This was, I think, right before he started doing Monk. I think it Monk was early two thousand, yeah. like two thousand three. I want to say is when that started. He's got such an iconic voice, and so it's, it's, he really does. He does and and you even have some weird plot holes with the cops because it's like the fact that Brian specifically says don't go after Tran, and then they're like we're gonna do it. And they call him like in the middle of the night. And he's like, you okay with it? Yeah, I guess. And it's like, oh, we're, we're putting little, this all on you. I'm a little you. busy right now, boys. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah. I'm. They call him. They call him in the middle of the night to tell him we're going to do this by five o'clock tomorrow afternoon, unless you say otherwise. And then they take him on the raid. Yeah. He's That's like my a favorite com- part of that whole like thing. Com- like, why? I, I half expected uh johnny tran to recognize his eyes because his eyes are so piercing but uh yeah yeah. that that whole sequence is hilarious honestly that sequence a little superfluous they could have showed some people showing up at a tran residence and then cut we did not need like seven minutes of this whole 
sequel. Well, no, no well, well onto some character somewhere. You pay to film so in the, the LA thing, suburbs, Miles. You get your use out of the LA suburbs. <laughs> they they paid for the song Debonair. They're going to play the whole damn thing. We've got to work a sex scene or PG thirteen sex scene in here somewhere. So we'll just intercut the raids with Dom and Letty making out in the garage because oh, you right. know that's what they do. Like. They don't. Right. They don't bump ugly. Bump uglies without the, being and covered entire, in grease and oil. You know, it's funny. Like I understand. Like visually, that scene's supposed to be like super. Like, oh, but I'm also like, I bet they smell so bad. That's yeah. all I can think and, of. And how how many puns do you think they cut out of that scene? Like, <laughs> let me check under your hood. <laughs> so many. So many. Uh, I did also clock uh, seatbelt usage in this movie. Um, in in the opening, when Paul Walker is at the uh, the stadium parking lot. Uh, with his Mitsubishi Eclipse, wearing the double seatbelts, like the the, the mm, racing yeah, harness, harness. seatbelt. Yeah. At the street race, not a seatbelt in sight. Even though they mm. all have the the fancy racing seats that have the harness built in stuff, nobody's wearing a seatbelt. Um, <laughs> Mia driving him around later, no seatbelts. But in well, this, but we in also th- see Mia's driving, so I don't know, like. I, and what's so funny about that from what I read is that um, neither uh, Jordana Brewster or I think Michelle Rodriguez had driver's license when this movie came out. That's hilarious. Or when they were making it, they they had to learn to drive. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about that with Michelle Rodriguez. I forgot that Jordana Brewster as well, but because she uh, was super young at the time. Oh, yeah. But the civics and, at the end, all wearing seatbelts in the big uh, in the big uh, uh, uh heist at the end of the movie all wearing seatbelts until they needed to take them off to you know shoot a a spear gun through a windshield (laughs) also when you're hanging off the front of a semi don't take your helmet off when you're going down the highway hanging off the front of that thing there's no there's no point to that (laughs) that was a hell i mean yes there is look my face needs to be on screen (laughs) i'll tell you what though i was doing this stunt work (laughs) hat tip to that stunt team because those were some those are some yeah. impressive stunts when you're looking at 2001 and it's not a it's not a car chase in the style of like Ronin, right? Which is, right. you know, Ronin is a car chase is amazing. It's a different thing cuz they're basically just going straight on the highway. But the work that they were doing hanging off the side of that truck, jumping from car to truck and back was really good. It was really yeah. well done. I mean, there was some really impressive stuff because you, whether they could edit it out or not, you have what looked like free vehicles being driven and people jumping from one car to another, jumping from a car yes. to a semi truck. That, that final high scene that goes wrong is, I think, the centerpiece of the movie in terms of the action choreography. Like, it's kind of what I wanted at least some of the races to look like I understand we talked about why that doesn't, but that, that scene just looks incredible. And like you guys were saying, like just how it keeps cutting and focusing on this vehicle and, Oh, it's, yep. it's just, it's a really, really well conducted scene. And, oh, and, yeah. and then Jesse dies uh, in the shootout in the drive-by shooting. And there are some of the worst scene work I've seen in the movie as they are driving down uh, the, the streets of LA uh, just wildly shooting at each other and hitting everything in the process. Um, yeah. But both of them with their like Mac tens while they're riding the motorcycles hit everything except the car, the bright orange super that they were <laughs> aiming at i'm using giant air quotes yeah but 
every car parked on the side. Like there was, there are some great Hollywood tropes and that's one of them. We got, I got to name a couple of my favorite tropes real quick, which is we got a director cameo trope. Uh, Rob um, Cohen is the uh, pizza delivery guy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, We get the uh, trope of watching one of the director's other films when you have people watching a movie. Because they were watching Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. That's the, the movie TV. that they're watching. Okay, I yep. I, I I had I had a, a note that I need to figure out what that movie is, and now yep. and that was a Rob Cohen movie. So uh, we had that, um, and and then obviously the can't hit the broadside of a barn, uh, but can hit everything around the barn, uh, which just cracked yeah, me up. And, I was and, laughing and so hard. You also have like guns that seem to have infinite ammo. Of course, yep. oh yeah, th- them clips they hold that much. <laughs> No, they were they were out of rounds before they sh- before they finished uh, shooting Jesse. They were out of rounds in those guns, oh, and they just the way, kept going. You, you mentioned the 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 Mac tens. I couldn't tell if there were Uzis or Mac tens or what kind of you know submachine gun uh, there were. I just always assume Mac ten. But the silencers on the front of them, so you get that that cool <laughs> noise, uh, which is not how silencers work in movies. But I I still love that sound because I think it's so, so the, fun. While we're talking about the scene, this is the one thing that kind of um, this scene is weirdly anticlimactic. Like you get the it kind, one of was, kind of was yeah crashes and then like you know we get that scene on the, on the uh, overpass and and that just felt weird like. It well, felt you, like nothing happened. You don't even though know, a lot happened. <laughs> you don't know that Jesse is dead. They never return to his body to confirm that he is dead. Nope. I, I I did end up looking this up and threatening threatening to spoil that. Oh, Jesse's actually in fourteen other movies. I just saw that. No, he died. So that's the end of that. Um, I'm going to ask weird. you to not do that from now on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I had to for that one, but uh, but it's so it's so weird because. I'm waiting the entirety of this movie and I'm trying to remember from 20 something years ago when I, the one time that I saw it, like who, I, cause I'm like, I know somebody dies. It's, it's a movie that's, that's like the, the quickest way to, to get you to care is to kill off a character, but I couldn't remember who it was. And it's the only deaths in the movie are Jesse and Johnny. And but I was like, is it Vince? Is it like he going to go out? And that's that's when the reveal that Paul Walker is. And they get almost to that point and he blows his cover in front of Dom, which, by the way, one of the most intimidating shots ever on film is Vin Diesel looking like his head is going to explode <laughs> yeah. at some point. Like the yeah. veins and tendons in his shoulders and neck grew exponentially while he's just staring daggers through bill or through brian um but you know then vince doesn't die there they get him to the the helicopter and he takes off so that's that's movie shorthand for this person survived Mm -hmm. um and then it's 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 jesse getting gunned down and then we just forget about him he never returned to that scene don't know not at all and I like that you brought up the that scene where where Dom finds out that Brian's a cop because this kind of goes back to what I was talking about where like he does this barely controlled rage look that you you just see he's bubbling like he understands that he can't do anything right now because the situation is too dire and and he's got uh, Letty and Mia kind of you know not holding him back but like saying we gotta go and. I, I love that sequence because I, I think Vin Diesel does and has continued to do 
so much with so little dialogue. I mean, he does that in Riddick. He's obviously done it in his two voice things. He oh, has yeah. 15 words in the Iron Giant, yet you remember all of them. Like, they're well, so important. The thing, the thing with that scene where Vince is there, you know, we've just had this big action sequence and we've seen Brian go through a lot to save Vince and make sure the guy that, you know, he's done nothing but just ram butt heads with for, for the entirety of the movie. He goes through all this to save him. And then when Dom comes up and he finally, he realizes he's got to blow his cover in order to get medical attention to this guy. And that's, uh, that is what the movie needed to focus on was those relationships because Dom is simultaneously ready to tear Brian into small pieces by hand, but also knows that he can't do that because it's too important to make sure his friend, his friend since the third grade gets saved and taken care of. And he knows if he blows up at him, that that's going to, that that is going to cause delays in medical attention right. for his brother effectively. And if and, that, and if that and it's scene, the, it's, it, it's the wrestling of those two things. And if that, that scene works. had gone right into the two of them having the fight and Dom driving off and, and Brian going after him and the whole train sequence and all of that without this Johnny Tran gunfight side mm-hmm. story, I feel like it would have worked so much better. Uh, yeah, they they built all that momentum in the scene with before air airlift gets there, and then they let all the air back out of that balloon too quickly. And it's like I like I, they, I, I liked the Jesse character. I don't like the Jesse character died, but I also felt like the Jesse Jesse's death was dumb. And <laughs> well, it was really dumb because we had completely forgotten about him. Like the movie forgot yeah, about him for twenty minutes. It's a it's a a lazy plot sacrificial lamb so that you can put the story from here to here. It's not, it's His, not earned. And I mean, and, it, and yes, you get, you get your, your manipulated emotional response because I was like, Oh man, I like that guy, you know, cause he's the little I mean, brother it's, character. It's the, the only thing not that actually happens with, at race wars. This thing that we have yeah. been leading to like, <laughs> right. jo- Johnny, we, we, Johnny Tran literally holds a gun to, to Dom's head and, and, and instead says, I'll see you at race wars and they drive off on their motorcycles and then they then come back and shoot up an eclipse, which was sad, but the, the movie doesn't treat Jesse's death with the emotional respect it deserves, which is why it feels like a lazy plot point because of that, because I, I agree with what you guys are saying. Like this is again, a problem with this script. I mean, I, I wish that someone had like was able to travel back in time. Like, all right, let me doctor this. Um, because I I think with another pass, this script would have been really solid. Um, it could have a been. Lot of, there's the bones of a of a really really solid like like okay. So uh, I'm I'm keeping a ranking letterbox list as we go through it. So right now there's only one. So the number one is uh, Fast and Furious. I gave it three and a half stars, which is about a seven. So it's about on par with what Drew said. Um, because I really did enjoy it. I think it's a very fun movie, but. I think it's script problems keep this movie weighed down because the more we talk about it, it's like, oh, yeah, here's here's this dumb thing. And it sometimes makes you forget the hilarious lines of like, you know, uh, I didn't know you once. Yeah, in the third grade. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's these great lines that like sometimes get overshadowed by the the fractured third act of this film. Mm hmm. 
the, the and the and again like the, the kind of overbloated need for some of these side characters that make it about the team give me more of like Vince and Dom the the whole idea that they've known each other since the third grade but Dom is not afraid to go out and pull him off of this new guy who they've only known for a couple of weeks and like tell him you know you're on thin ice type of thing like give us more of that those interactions I mean, this movie should have been like the script should have focused on Dom and his his team, uh, Mia and Paul, uh, Brian. Like we don't need, and then the street racing itself. But we don't need another antagonist. Yeah. Let the let the drama right. come from that, um, because we care about them. And then when something happens to Jesse, you can work that in and you can earn that because that's the you you nailed it when you said that his death wasn't earned. You can have it be a surprise, but it still be an earned thing. And the only reason we care about it is because of Chad Lindbergh's performance as Jesse. And we like yeah. the character. Yeah. Um, and you know, what's so funny talking about the Tran gang um, is I always thought the movie Biker Boys was a spinoff. And <laughs> it's not, but it follows the exact. And this is a part of that legacy. It follows the exact same formula as uh, for the Fast and the Furious. It's also based off an article on illegal <laughs> street racing about bikes or i mean motorcycles or whatever kind of bikes they're using that movie um yeah. but it's a very sense also got an ensemble cast like lawrence fishburne's in that movie <laughs> um but i i kind of because i always thought that was supposed to be like a spin-off and i i, I was when t- looking up stuff before recording night i i found out unfortunately it has nothing to do with it because i was like oh i might you know watch this movie on the side for fun thinking it might be about the, the whole tran gang or something no it's not even it's not even remotely related <laughs> until a post-credit sequence in another movie makes it related <laughs> i, I always conflate bike. <laughs> yeah i conflate biker boys and uh torque, torque. all the time yeah because one saw Torque and have remembered nothing of that. All I remember about Torque is the the end of it where he rides a jet powered motorcycle at 200 mm-hmm. miles an hour through L.A. traffic without a helmet or sunglasses. And I was like, <sighs> you know, I can suspend a lot of disbelief, but that dude had like house flies going through his skull yeah, in that I, scene. There's no I, way. Yeah, when you're driven in areas where the the bugs are a problem, you, there's no way. There's no way. Like I would never drive through Florida without a helmet because Ooh. it gets it gets apocalyptically bad with some of the bug splatter. <laughs> okay, Biker Boys is the one with Lawrence Fishburne and Kid Rock. Oh, and I'm immediately disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bummer because it also has Orlando Jones, Jaiman Hansu, and Dante Basco. Jeez, I like all of them. That cast and Lisa cast. Bonet. Jeez. Uh, what about good. Johnny Strong? Is he in that? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm sorry. I just um, have to call this out because I just I was just looking at the Wikipedia page, just making sure I hit all the stuff I wanted to talk about. And Johnny Strong is Leon, a member of Dom's crew. That is his whole description in this movie. I mean, it's accurate. Is, he is yeah, a member of Dom's crew. And that's but what he is, does. That is what he um, does. One thing I did, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine. Um, and again, I mean, I know this franchise branches out because I was like, man, I know Michelle Red, uh, Rodriguez like blew up after this movie a little bit too. And she really doesn't have anything to do other than being Dom's girl in this one. Like we know she's a badass racer and she, we get to see her win a race and how cool she is. But 
we don't get much from her other than that. I'm told that that changes obviously throughout this franchise, but um, I remember it being I, I remember it being a big deal in having, the ads when she came back to the franchise. Like she wasn't in like the relaunch, and then she comes back. Well, yeah, at two, some point. well, so two and two and three. I mean, two has Paul Walker, and then the third one is I, kind of its own thing. I mean, like um, I'm not sure she was in four or five, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not gonna look it up. I don't know, um, um, but uh, uh, she is really good in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Go see the Dungeons and Dragons movie. She's that amazing movie in that is movie. <laughs> fantastic. Um, and she's not bad in this movie at all. I'm just saying I in my mind's mind, I remember her having a, a bigger role in in things. But I think I just kind of combined her character with Mia. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, because, again, like like we said, these these are a lot of tropey characters and sort of two dimensional. They're they're there and so they got character actors or young actors who fit that right so you get matt schultz you do the matt schultz thing michelle rodriguez who was coming off of girl fight that was her first movie mm. and she's oh, playing really? the you know she here she is doing the same type of character she was in resident evil that she was in swat that she was in you know all of these movies i forgot she's she was good in resident evil character. Oh. yeah she's uh she's in the second one first one she's in the first one she's in the first yeah. one yeah yep. oh that's right that's right i'm I'm sorry i'm thinking of um somebody else but you know it's they they, they found young actors that fit the roles that they were doing and so you do you were like i remembered her character being more than what she was in the movie she she just sort of speaks to her presence as an actress mm-hmm. absolutely i mean i i also probably have a little rose-colored glasses of like 19 year old me seeing Michelle Rodriguez in leather pants. Right. Okay. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, not going to complain. I, is what I'm no, saying. Right. Uh, well, no, I mean, I know that, that, like I said, this movie has vision. This movie has eye candy for everyone, no matter mm-hmm. what you're in. And I wish there was a little more car eye candy. Cause for a period, you know, of time, it's so funny that you mentioned that. I, I agree with you uh, because we go to race wars and we see some cars but then we leave race wars. I really want to see a lot more race wars. That sounds weird. It sounds um, awful. <laughs> Why did they call it that? But I really wanted to see more of the the race contest. <laughs> so that that's what I'm going to say. Um, because I think you're right, Drew. I wanted to see some other cool cars and designs highlighted. Maybe get split seconds of other races that have nothing to do with anything. Just to get the the feel of the the car competition uh, there was a sill 80 out there there was a uh, there was an integra with the honda front end and not the acura front end i yeah, which i, I mean, prefer built, the honda front end they built up that whole event and then we spend five minutes there and we see two races and one of them ends with jesse just sort of driving away <laughs> and then the movie's just like We'll get back to him later. Yeah, Who cares? It's like it's a, like that whole sequence just serves to introduce Jesse getting killed later, which I don't love because I didn't love how that all played out because I think it could have been done better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it may have been done more interesting if everything were contained within Race Wars. But then you yeah. wouldn't have had that really great highway scene. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, well, gentlemen, we have been. Uh, going for many quarters of an hour. No, that didn't work. That's <laughs> I'll, I'll by the end of the summer, I'll have a really fun uh, 
live vocabulary I'll my of, cast uh, a quarter hour at a time <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but before we do end though I, I have to say favorite credit in the movie all right because you you got you know your hectors and brian and all that but my favorite right. credit is uh peter navy tuiasa sopo which is a great name playing samoan guard he was the big security guard that goes to you know pick up like yeah. he's picking up Vin Diesel, and I was like, when I'm watching the movie, I said, "Wow, that big Samoan dude's picking up Vin Diesel." And then uh, some seeing the end credits go by, I see Samoan guard. I was like, oh, "It's amazing." <laughs> Is he the <laughs> same one? That, huge. Yeah. Is he the same one that was taking tickets at the uh, at the intro? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I like that. I, I I love that that kind of stuff because oftentimes, not in this particular instance, but it's usually like some random wrestler who got a cameo in something or, mm-hmm. you know, like I really wish it turned out to have been Samoa Joe, you know? <laughs> well, and it's, and it's also one of those things where this is back when the, these main characters were like normal sized dudes. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like when I, you go back, they weren't it's like cartoon when you, characters. Yet. When you see, when you see that episode of Star Trek Voyager, where the rock is on it as a space pro wrestler. Yep. And he's a big dude. But his his head is still bigger than his arms. Yeah, and no, I know exactly what episode you're talking about. Sunkatse. Um, I believe Jeffrey Combs is in that episode too. Anyway, yes. this is not a Star Trek podcast. That's <laughs> that's as much later as you would like it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the uh, calendar thing that you're popping up on there because I was like, what what is this? Because we share a calendar like good boys. Yeah. Um. So, we don't use it. <laughs> yeah, which is uh well, I'll tell you that off here. Anyway, like bad boys. <laughs> uh, so with that said, gang, uh any final thoughts on the fast and the furious, which I have to say because there's another similarly named movie that we're gonna talk about in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I gotta say, like, despite any any criticisms I have, I was very pleasantly surprised uh revisiting this. Um, it certainly speaks well for maybe what this franchise will bring us in the future that this wasn't some colossal, you know, stinker, but I had a really good time with it. Um, it does. I mean, partially, yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for the time in which this was released. So that does help, but it's a really fun action thriller drama. Like, I mean, it's, it's fun. Like it, it's not going to reinvent the wheel. It's not going to win an Oscar, but I had a good time and it's great popcorn for me. Yeah, no, um, going back and revisiting this, you used, phrased it perfectly earlier. Hot guys, hot girls, hot cars, hot action. Like, this movie knew what it wanted to be. The script leaves a little bit to be desired, but from a visual standpoint, from a just, hey, popcorn movie, go entertain yourself, this movie knew what it wanted to be, and it nailed that. It's a lot, it's a fun time. It's so hot, even the cars are kind of sweaty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I can't, I can't say anything that you guys haven't already. It, it does help. I think for me personally, that I was alive and remember this time. I don't know that if I was, you know, a teenager or in my early twenties today, seeing this for the first time, if I would not look at this and see, wow, this is cheesy. Wow. This is kind of dopey here because it, it is because it is for sure but it's a cheesy and dopey that i 
grew up with and I mm-hmm. recognize and uh, am jealous of. Um, so that's <laughs> look at all those sweaty people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's also like summertime in, in, in California. It's not exactly yep. warm out. I mean, not exactly cool out. Um, except Jesse's still wearing a hat no matter what uh, like a beanie people people do I know people that do that I know people who it'll be 90 degrees in that warp tour and they would still be wearing a beanie so like yeah I buy that I I don't know how but if if you're questioning uh, watching this again or watching this for the first time as you've listened to us you know what do yourself a favor uh, grab any beer you want as long as it's a Corona and check it out (laughs) Well done. That was a that was a smooth use of a line. That's pretty um, good. So I, I haven't talked about Drew uh, about this because um, did we announce what our the birthday surprise was? Uh, no, week? we talked about it off air, but we did not okay. announce um, it. I, I, so I I am suggesting that we postpone my birthday for four days because um, my birthday comes in between two episodes because I kind of want to go see if I can go see. Uh, my birthday challenge movie again uh, before we talk about it because I really want to. I really want to as well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So then next week we will be doing uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. A a name I think that has I don't think a name a single name has been as memed since Break Into Electric Boogaloo. No, like I, I'm going to say, this- having never having only ever seen one Fast and the Furious movie for the first time and only time ever. Too Fast, Too Furious is the greatest sequel name of all time. It's is there a more 2003 sequel title? I no, like? there is not. Uh, the, the fact that I also remember that there was a song called Too Fast, Too Furious. Well, and was that this? This is where your boy comes in. Was that is that Luna doing that? Luna. Uh, uh, area codes played in uh, in this movie. Area codes is part of the soundtrack of the first yeah. movie. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I. I know Luda and I think Tyrese is in the second one. Yeah. Um, I'm, I have no idea what to expect with this movie. I, <laughs> I vaguely remember seeing the trailers back in 2003 um, and being like, oh, I'm, I'm probably not going to see that. And I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I also have I, everyone kind of, you know, this is the the weakest entry by a, by a lot of standards. So we may not have as good a time. We don't know. But I'm I'm very curious to to watch too fast too furious again that name is amazing like does it overtake electric boogaloo or like, like those uh, are two the two big mimetic no because, mimetic? because electric boogaloo is a joke and too fast is it too furious is too serious i don't know i don't know i mean too fast too furious <laughs> sounds like it was sponsored by mountain dew voltage it really does it was part of the x games Mm-hmm. <laughs> or amp it would have been amp at the time i think amp energy yeah. drink yes uh so yeah we will be doing uh too fast too furious uh travis you are all always more than welcome so if you want to follow along with us at different points of the summer you are a hundred percent welcome back we would love to have you uh you don't have to answer you know- now but tell <laughs> the people where they can find you well, so I had said at the top of the show that I had been thinking about doing this uh, series for a while because I hadn't seen it. And so I, I am more than happy to come back uh, anytime that scheduling allows me to. But I am with you. I'm going to be doing a ranking. And actually, it's probably going to be my first 
like official YouTube content series is going to be these films, my first takes on them and ranking them at the end where I think they all slot in, including Fast 10 that comes out this year. So that is going to be something that uh, you'll find on my YouTube uh, page, which is at TV's Travis, any social media platform, whether it's Twitter mastodon instagram it's all tv's travis or tv's travis.com you can find my main show wait you haven't seen both of you have been guests on um and that's that is fish story last time yeah yes that is movie discussions where somebody's seeing the movie for the first time every time and uh fish story still i i i name drop that movie all the time now it's a great movie it's a great movie my life mission is just to get more people to watch that movie Yes. Uh, and I, but there's other shows that I do. You can find them all at tvstravis.com. There's a horror movie podcast called Gore Classic Television. Um, we're in a hiatus right now with Highlander because we finished all six seasons of Highlander the series. And we watched all six Highlander movies, which uh, did you know there was a sixth? You, Miles, you might have known there was a sixth one. It was the anime Highlander yes. The Search for Vengeance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but it turns I, out we're I, not out of Highlander content. There's actually are, more. Are, are you on an. H I G Ash Dash Atis High Atis. Shut up! You ruined everything. I mean, you reached, you, did you throw your shoulder out reaching for that one? Because <laughs> it was um, stretch. I, do, I don't know if I've seen the Search for Vengeance, but I mean, I obviously I know of it. Uh, it was the Ninja Scroll director, wasn't it? Yes. Um. I mean. Audie and I did a review of it just a couple weeks ago, uh, but spoilers for that. Uh, listen to the review because I think it was a lot of fun, but probably my second favorite of the movies. Ooh. Might be, it's kind of in a tie. I love Endgame sort of for because it combined the worlds. I, I went through so, a period, I, I only watched one through three, and three is such a weird movie. Highlander 3, um, The Apology. Um, I... So here's the thing. Uh, as a kid, I didn't really know better. I really liked Highlander 2 as a child. Um, I have not watched Highlander 2 since probably 1998, because I remember it was one of the first DVDs I had. Um, was the, the Renegade version. Mm-hmm. And it makes it even weirder. Um, Is that the version where they cut out all the alien stuff and made it different? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they dropped the whole alien angle. And, uh, and yeah. I, I haven't mean, look, seen Highlander that version is- of the movie. Highlander 2 is what it is, which is a coked out fever dream. And yeah, if you yeah, yeah. take it as that, like yeah. it's watchable. Um, it's better than Highlander the Source. I will say well, that. That's that's a high bar to clear, but like <laughs> I think uh, even um <laughs> even the uh the actor is like, oh, let's just pretend that was a bad dream. Yeah, no, it's bad. Adrian it's so bad. Paul is uh, not a, not a fan of that movie. Uh, I think I somehow missed that you had a horror podcast because yeah, that, is- uh, that one's been going for a little over a year and a half now. I'm co-hosting on it. It's it's um, the brainchild of uh, Monica Wicked Kitten, uh, but there's four of us, and we do uh, bi biweekly. We watch horror movie and discuss. We also talk about upcoming. Uh, kind of horror news and things, um, but we pick an, a new movie every couple of weeks and watch those. And I've seen some some old horror because there's no, we don't have a restriction. Like we've gone back and watched the original Wolfman, but mm-hmm. we also watched Thanks Killing. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, one, two, we're three. My, Miles, you're drooling. Stop. Uh, one. <laughs> we watched the first one. Um, so there's no like we try to mix up, do something campy, and then do something that's more of like um, 
a, a more well-reviewed horror movie maybe yeah yeah um, and but it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's it's gotten me to watch more because I, I do enjoy horror movies but they're usually not the first thing i seek out um but uh we it's a, gotten me to watch a few more Angoria to this day so <laughs> <laughs> i am a horror fiend <laughs> And if you want to find out just about that, there's also gorepodcast.com is just the gore feed, but you can get there from, uh, from tvstravis.com. So cool. Awesome. I'll have to hit you up and beg to be on that show one day. Well, <laughs> once again, thank you for joining us, uh, on, on this journey into a thousand movies that we are t- embarking upon this. Summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really can't wait to hear your thoughts on the rest of these, especially as I will be watching them for the first time. I- I can't wait to watch these movies. I, I genuinely can't. I'm excited I'm, about this journey that we're taking. I'm weirdly most excited for Tokyo Drift. I'm just. Oh, that, it's an it's a fan favorite. Um, I know a lot of people have said that's Loki, their favorite one. So because it, it always read to me as why wasn't this a straight to DVD release? But we'll get there in a few weeks. Uh, in it's the also meantime, one that's most about racing. Yeah. Uh, and drifting, uh, hopefully. Uh it's in the title so fingers crossed anyway uh if you would like to reach out to us of course you can find us at the more where you can find this and all of our other episodes across our 11 years almost 12 i don't know how 12? long almost 12 i actually it's like 12 and five days is it 12 this week i think was it june 11th the first episode oh, i don't know man this is wild uh so yeah, uh, more than a decade of podcasting. Uh, you can find it all there. You can tweet to us at the more you nerd. You can go to facebook.com slash the more you nerd, and you can email us questions, comments, commentaries, concerns, quips, other things that are alliterative to the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. And until next time we end the show as we always do with a rousing Nerd. We're not doing this together. We're not. Oh, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> All right, I got let's distracted because we have a, we have an email. Let's. Oh, I, I did. I, I. Yeah. Let's let's kick it into reverse and then try this one more time with arousing. Nerd. nerd. Out. Out. Out.